You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jay Box. I'm the lead pastor here at Midtown Church, and we're just honored that you're joining us this morning. If this is your first time here, Hope you feel really encouraged and, and helped in your walk with Christ your, or exploration of him. If you're here exploring faith, we love that you're here. Hope you feel like uh, just helped and know that this is a safe place to do that. We're going to uh, continue our series. We started last week called Who Are We? But we, before we get into it, let me, let me tell you something about my family growing up. I, uh, I was really blessed to come and, and, and still still a part of, a, a very loving family. My, my parents are uh, just awesome, and I've got a younger brother, younger sister that we're all just really close. We had a lot of fun together as a family. Um, one of the more unique characteristics of our family, though, is that uh, we really enjoy playing pranks on other people. And I, it's fully because of my mom. My mom is a prankster at heart, and because of her influence, that became just something that was a de- kind of a defining characteristic of our family. We pulled pranks on people. My favorite story, in case you think that these are kind of mild pranks, you are wrong. So uh, let me tell you, the um, my favorite story happened when I was probably in eighth grade, Ben was in seventh grade, and then my sister Kaylee, she was in elementary school. Um, I remember it was the winter because a part of this, uh, this prank, it was quite elaborate, and it, there was like a whole plan. We hatched this whole plan. We had like worked it out over a family meeting, over dinner. This is how we we're going to pull it off. One of the things that included was my brother and I wearing our starter jackets. Anyone remember starter jackets? Oh, yeah. They were awesome. And, uh, and because, so that's how I knew it was winter. And here's, here's what happens is that we went to a friend's house, um, and one of the things my family had, had did for it, like a tr- another tradition of ours, is that we regularly dropped off uh, half gallons of Bluebell ice cream at, at, at people's houses that we're friends with. And just, we called it a, a, a box drop, and we would drop off ice cream. And so that was kind of a fun thing that we did. But this time, we decided we're not going to just drop off ice cream. We're going to actually try to get them to invite us in. And so we showed up at our friend's house and knocked on the door. We had ice cream. They were like, oh, we're getting a box drop. That's awesome. Thanks for the ice cream. And they invite us in like we knew they would. And uh, as we go in, we're sitting in the living room. And then as the plan was like hatched uh, or planned, the plan was planned. Is that how you say that? No. Um, We decided, okay, slowly, as we're all in the living room, each kid would dismiss themselves to go to the restroom one at a time. And we knew this house really well. And so we knew where all the restrooms were and we knew which restroom we would be going to. And so we slowly did that. And then we had kept our jackets on so that when we go into the restroom, we could steal all of the toilet paper in that restroom and their toothbrushes. And so we would stuff that into our jackets and then we'd walk out. And then my mom, she just accused herself to go to the restroom and she went into the master bedroom and went into their bathroom and stole all of their toilet paper and their toothbrushes. And on her way, managed to drop off a battery powered alarm clock set for 2 a.m. underneath their bed. And then we went back in the living room, played it cool while our jackets were full of their toilet paper. And we left the house, which then we drove down the street by about eight houses to another family's house uh, and wrapped that house with the stolen toilet paper from the house before. It was incredible. And so this was pre-cell phones. And so we, we go home and we have the voice, you know, we have our answer machine. And you, 
there were numerous messages of incredible escalating hilarity. And the first message is, hey, boxes, please tell me y'all didn't steal our toilet paper. Really, I mean, not our toilet paper. Hang up. Next one. Where's our toilet paper? And where are our toothbrushes? Why would you steal our toothbrushes? Hangs up. Next message. Did you really rape the, did you really wrap the James's house with our toilet paper? You wrapped their house with our toilet paper. I can't believe this. And so then we turn off the ringer of our phone because we weren't going to be woken up in the middle of the night when they called at 2 a.m. when their alarm was going off. We got to listen to that message the next morning, and it was great. So later on, I don't have time for it, but you could ask me uh, how they got us back, and they won, all right? So (laughs) you could ask me about that later. But all that to say is that with our family, one of the things that resulted in being a box it was that we pulled pranks to get together. That was one of the things because my mom's influence on us, we were in this family, here's what we did. We pulled, we pulled pranks. Well, this morning, like I said, we're doing this series, Who Are We? And we're talking specifically the we here is Midtown Church. Who are we? And, and what we saw last week is that we are a family. We're a family, not because we, it's cool or fashionable to consider close friends family. Or we're not a family just because we aim to be a family, and so we use this language in kind of aspirational kind of way. Like, oh, we want to be like family, or we hope to treat each other like family. No, we are a family because, as we saw last week, we've been loved and served by God. And that because of what God has done, because of who he is and what he's done, he's made us into someone new, someone that we were not before. But that he, because of what he's done, we are literally in his family, his children, born of God. That's who we are. We're a family because we've been loved and served by God. Now, in light of that, let me ask you a question. If we're in the family of God, what would you expect to be a defining characteristic of this family? What would you think would result from being in the family of God? How would you think that we would treat each other in light of whose family we're a part of? (laughs) Pranks. Yes. You've got the connection. There it all is. (laughs) We would love one another, right? We would love one another, which pranks is definitely a part of. But, um. No, we would, we would love one another. That this is the, in Scripture, the main thing, the main action that would result from being a part of the family that we're a part of, the family of God. We would love one another. So this is why as a church family, when we share our identity statement, as you heard Krista say this morning, we answer this question, who are we? We answer it this way. We are a family loved and served by God and compelled to love and serve each other, and Austin with God. Now, next week, we're going to get into the loving and serving Austin with God part. But today, I want us to camp out here, the loving and serving each other with God. Because, again, that's the number one defining characteristic of being a part of the family of God. Now, I've already alluded to it, but it's so important. In fact, in, in fact if, you, like if you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to listen to the message la- last week because all this series builds off of what I talked about last week. 
And for those of you, so for those of you who weren't here, for those of you who were and you just need a recap, let me just quickly remind you that when it comes to a Christian's identity, a follower of Christ's identity, we receive our identity differently than how we normally think identities are, are given or bestowed or whatever the right term is. You see, like in, a, in the world today, we normally think that an identity is something that is achieved, that you are what you do. But according to God's word, according to really the, the good news of the gospel, you actually, your identity is actually received, that you are who you are because of who God is and what he has done, not because of what you've done. And so this is so important for us to grasp, that who you are, is a, you, your, your, your identity is received, it's not achieved. And that's why we say, okay, we're a family of God, not because of how we treat each other, but because of who God is and how he's treated us. And therefore, we treat each other accordingly, not to be someone, but because we already are someone, all right? And so last week, we talked about how in Scripture, there's, there's three great, that we see there's just this flow, three great questions to help us understand who you are if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ alone, forgiveness of your sins, if he's your Savior, then Scripture says, okay, here's three questions you can ask to understand who you are. First question is, the first question is this, who is God? Or meaning, what's God like? The second question is, what has he done? And then the third question is, who are we as a result? See, because who God is determines what he does. God always acts according to his character. And it's what he does that makes us who we are. And so this is true for a number of things. I mean, you can say, okay, uh, who is God? Well, he is he's the Savior. So what's he done? He's, he's died for us to save us. So who are we? We're the saved children of God. But who is God? He's the justifier. So who are we? We're the justified. I mean, you just go on and on and on. But last week we, talked, we looked at 1 John chapter 4. We said, okay, according to this passage, what do we learn about who God is? And what has he done? And who are we as a result? And here's what we, and, and what we saw is that because of who he is, we're a family of God because we've been loved and served by him. In fact, this morning, I want us to just go back to that passage because in that, I didn't get into the last question that really flows here. The next question is, what should we do in light of who we are? And so I want to go back to 1 John 4 and see how it's fleshed out there. And again, why we would say, that the defining characteristic of being in the family of God is that we would love one another. So if you will, turn, turn with me to 1 John 4, pull it up on your phone, um, and we're going to just walk through this together. 1 John 4, we're going to pick up in verse 7, and it says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Okay, so pause Again, recap from last week. So what does this tell us about who God is? God is love, right? He's the source of love, that all love flows from him. So that's a big question. Okay, who's God? He, he's, this is who he is. So in light of that, what has he done? We'll keep going. Verse 9. In this, the love of God has made manifest among us, or made obvious to us, that God sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the full payment for our sins. Okay, again, hit pause here. What's this tell us that God has done? 
Well, it tells us that God made his love obvious to us by sending his son. And that he sent his son not when we were lovable or when we were loving him, but before we were lovable. You know, Romans says that while we were his enemies, this says not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And that Jesus loved and served us by coming willingly and then dying in our place for our sins, propitiation for our sins, full payment for our sins. So what has God done? Well, he has loved and served us unconditionally. So now, in light of that, who are we? Well, that's summed up in the very next word. We are the beloved. We're the beloved. That's who we are. Verse 7 says, we are born of God. So not only are we the beloved of God, but we are the beloved children of God. Now again, when it comes to the question, who are you? The answer is, I'm the beloved child of God, if you place your faith in him. It's not based on what you have done to earn his love, but just what he has given to you. This is who you are. This is your received identity. I'm the beloved child of God. God, you're the beloved daughter of God. You're the beloved son of God. That's who you are. Man, I could, I love talking about that last week. I could spend the rest of the morning talking about that again, but I'm not going to. So let's go into the next part. Okay, if that's who we are as a result of who God is, what is God, God has done, then we get into the question, then what should we do? And so that's how this verse ends. Okay, so beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love God. But that's not actually what it says, is it? I could tell the ones that were following along with, with me because they popped up like, that's not what it says. But that's not how this verse ends. But isn't that interesting? Wouldn't you expect the verse to end this way? That in light of how God has loved us, we would love God. I mean, I just, like, I would expect it to end that way. But that's not how it ends. Here's how it ends. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, why do you think that John, the author of this, inspired by the Holy Spirit, would be pitting these words and he would not write love God there? He would write love one another. Well, later on this passage, you've skipped down to verse 19, we at least get a part of the answer. Here's what it says, picking up in verse 19. It says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has, he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother or love his brother and sister. Like, it's possible, friends, to uh, love someone and not love God. But according to John here, it's actually completely impossible to not love your brothers and sisters and still love God. You cannot not love your brothers and sisters and say that you love God. God will say, you're a liar. That's strong terms, right? I mean, I think about this, like, I've got a daughter, Della, she's five and she's awesome. And I would understand if you loved her and you didn't love me, she's way more lovable than I am. But if you tell me that you love me and yet you mistreat my daughter... You use her 
You hurt her, you talk bad about her, and then you tell me that you love me? I'm calling you a liar, straight to your face. Right? Because why? That's how families work. Well, God's our Father. He says, oh, if you're going to love me, you love your brothers and sisters. In fact, you cannot love me if you don't love your brothers and sisters. If you don't love your family, the rest of the family, you don't love me either. And so when John says, okay, so <laughs> beloved, light of who you are, because of who God is and what he's done, let us love one another, he's also implying, because that's how we love God. We love God when we love one another. Now, if you're following that, then one question that should start coming to your mind is this. Okay, if it's that important that we love one another, then what does that look like? Like, what does it really look like to love one another? Like, what's that mean? What's that entail? I mean, that, that should be the question that comes to our mind in light of how important this is. So what do you think the answer to that is? How do we love one another? What's that actually look like? Well, let me just, let me just tell you, um, it doesn't just look like having positive feelings for each other. It's not just positive, like, you know, I'm, they're cool. Now, I, I get it. I know us, or I know me, I should say, and even that's hard sometimes to think that we're all good all the time. But, we're, but just, it's not just having positive feelings. And hear this. It's not just sitting next to each other once a week on Sundays or like every other week <laughs> on Sundays. It's not just that. So what does it really look like to love, really love one another? Well, there's this verse in this passage that is just so interesting. If you remember, if you, I stopped here at, at, at 1 John 11. If you want to pull that back up, 1 John 4.11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. But look how he follows this up. He, he puts in this weird, like, phrase here. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now, why would he throw that phrase in there? No one has seen God. It's like, it's not, John, that's not what you're actually talking about. You're talking about loving one another. Right? Insert that. Most commentators would say that the reason that he throws this line in here is because he is saying that here's what your love is to look like. So your love is to look like the, our God who is love. And when you love one another like God has loved you, then here's what happens. The invisible God is made visible in a sense. That God becomes more tangible in our love for one another. That when we love one another as God has loved us, then we, we get a glimpse of what God looks like. Which is pretty interesting, isn't it? What's our love supposed to look like? It's supposed to look like our God who is love. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 puts it this way. It says, therefore be imitators of God. Crazy statement, right? Like, oh, set the bar high there for us, Paul. Be imitators of God as beloved children, because that's who we are. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. How are we to love? Just as Christ loved us. When we do that, we are imitating God. What happens when you imitate God? God, People get a picture of what God is like. Or Jesus put it this way in John chapter 13. 
night that he's going to be betrayed, the day before he's going to the cross. He gets his closest friends, his disciples together. John, the author of 1 John, is there in the room. Jesus says, hey, I got something I need to tell y'all. New commandment. In fact, he puts it this way. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. (laughs) All right, Jesus, put the bar high. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How are they going to know that you're my follower? Because you love like I love. They get a picture of what I'm like by how you love one another. As you imitate me, the God who is not seen, God who is invisible, we'll, we'll get a glimpse of him. So how does Jesus love us? If we're to love just as he has loved us, how does Jesus love? Like, man, you could spend forever on this. One of the most helpful definitions I'll just offer up to you is this, that, that Jesus has loved us with an uh, unconditional, uh, humble, uh, sacrificial service kind of love. He's loved us with a love that is unconditional. We didn't deserve it. It's not dependent on anything that we do. It's humble that he lowers himself to love us. Philippians 2 talks about how he did not hang on to the privileges of deity, but became a, a man and then a servant in order to love us. And that his love for us is, yes, yeah, sacrificially, incredibly costly. He died for us. And it was service, not simply words, but actions. As Bob Goff would say, love does. Yeah, you see that in Jesus, right? That's what the love looks like. That's how we ought to love one another. But if you're like me, like even that kind of description, I mean, it's just like one, we all recognize, I think, that like that bar is so high. And then in addition to that, it's still a little bit abstract. Like what does that actually look like and how I interact with one another? So let me give you a couple more examples. In fact, let me just point you to a whole group of examples that we see in Scripture. They're known as the one another's. Perhaps you've studied the one another's before. There's 47 one another's directed towards Christians in the New Testament, talking about how we should love and care for each other, one another, brothers and sisters in Christ. And each one another fleshes out in a practical sense what it looks like to actually love like Jesus has loved us. And so let me, let me just walk through some of these, and I'm not going to go through all of them, um, but let me just hit a few of them just to continue to give us an idea what it actually looks like to love one another just as Christ has loved us. So, hey, uh, let, well, as I go through this, here's what I would encourage you to do. Evaluate. Just think about, okay, does this actually, you know, ring true of how I'm treating my brothers and sisters? Is this, is this the way that I would describe, or, you know, <laughs> better put, but maybe harder, um, is this how they would describe how I treat them? Here's, here's one example. Um, for, in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 32 calls us to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Okay, so G- Paul just says, okay, this is how Jesus treated us. So just like he treated us, here's how we are to treat one another. Let's be kind to one another. Let's not treat people according to how they deserve, but like be kind to them. 
be tenderhearted or be, be gentle towards them. And then forgive them. Don't hold, don't hold grudges. Be quick to forgive just as Christ forgave you. And so that's a picture, that's a tangible picture of what it looks like to love one another. A more practical picture of what it looks like to love one another. Okay, here's another one. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says this. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to everyone. As we all know, the truth is, is if you're committed to loving one another, they're going to let you down. You're going to get hurt. Sometimes they'll hurt you, most, most times they'll hurt you unintentionally, sometimes even intentionally. And in that moment, you have to decide, okay, am I going to love like Jesus loved me? Am I going to bail on this relationship? Am I going to run away from this family? Or am I going to uh, revenge, get revenge, try to get back at them? Or am I going to just write them off, I'm done with them? Or am I going to do good to them? Just as Jesus did good to us. We preach this verse in my home, right? We got three small kids. They're always at each other. Well, at least there's one that's always upsetting the other two or something like that. And, it's all, you know, all, and so we're like, no, 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 no. Do not do evil. Do, do not return evil for evil. Do not return. Instead, be good to one another. And it's like this right over their head. And I'm like, I'm right there with you. I get it. It's right over here. But like, that's not normal to treat each other this way. But this is what love looks like. Okay, let me give you another one. James 5.9 says, don't complain against one another. Really? <laughs> That's hard. Like, I can't even complain. Like, I'll serve them and I'll be good to them, but can't I just talk about how bad they are while I'm doing it? I mean, at least to somebody, they need to know what awesome person I am when I'm doing good to them because they're not an awesome person. But, like, man, it's hard not to complain about them, but that's what love looks like. We don't use our words to tear people down. We use words to encourage them. In fact, Romans 12.10 puts it this way. We are to outdo one another in showing honor. Like if we're going to have a competition, there's going to be a competitive spirit within our church family. Let it be over this, outdoing one another and showing honor. I think that this is what UT was doing yesterday against Maryland. They were just like, we could try to win, but we really want to just outdo and showing you honor. And so, sorry. It's long season. They're going to turn it around. It's going to be all right. But um, let this be our competition. Outdo one another in showing honor, speaking well of each other in front of them when they're not around, and not just with our words, but how we serve one another, building each other up. No, no, they're awesome. Let me tell you about them. How, how, how regularly, if at all, do you find yourself just bragging on your brothers and sisters in Christ? And this is what love looks like. Okay, I'll give you another one. Galatians, um, Galatians 5.13 says, uh, through love, serve one another. Now, I'll tell you, let me you know, just brag on you guys for a minute, but um, I'm so encouraged by how many people have signed up to serve as a part of Midtown Church. We've been doing this whole Living for Others campaign the last four weeks. Um, we have, right, right now, we have over 150 volunteer positions uh, filled by you guys. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. It's so, such a, a, an act of love. In fact, like you see that, friends, I tell you that because I want you to like look around and see, like this is, this is a glimpse of God, of how he loves when we would choose to serve one another. 
I really think about those serving in Midtown Kids. Because, I mean, it's so sacrificially. You show up on a Sunday, you don't get to gather for worship. You, you walk to a room to teach children about Jesus. But most of the case, these children aren't even their children. They're not your children, those who serve in Midtown Kids. And you're, you're sacrificially serving in that way. Like every time we go pick up our child or children from Midtown Kids, look at those volunteers and say, like, you have given me a glimpse of the love of God today. You want to give people a glimpse of the love of God today, there's still three more spots available to serve in Midtown Kids. <laughs> you can check the connection box. <laughs> I'm, that's not beneath me. I'll go there. I'll do that. <laughs> Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens. Man, I'm so encouraged by our church family and how we do this. We, I mean, yeah, you know, we got room to grow for sure. But this is a neat thing. Think about it. we've got one family in our church that's expecting triplets coming up, Ben and Karen Facetta. It's amazing. Um, we have already so many people in our church have begun serving them. Oh, many of them have uh, started paint, like paint, helped them even last weekend just paint, paint part of their house. And uh, we've got people planning a baby shower with them. You call it a baby shower and it's triplets? It's a baby's shower, I guess, maybe? I mean, I could tell you story after story after story of, of families who've had a baby and they have just, just like just so much food, <laughs> so much food in their house. Um, think about uh, my favorite story. Um, I didn't get permission to tell this, but um, <laughs> the, uh, I think about when, when Josh, Josh's uh, mother passed away in the spring and uh, he flies up to D.C. to be with his dad and brother and leaves his pregnant wife and his two young kids behind. And um, Alice Collins just volunteers. I'll, I'll drive you all, Kari, I'll drive you and the kids all the way up to D.C. She drives them all the way to D.C. Talk about bearing each other's burdens. I mean, because you see, like, you see that? You, what you feel there? That's you getting a glimpse into what our God, who is love, looks like. It's beautiful. 1 Peter 4.9 says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Think about all of you MC hosts. You have people in your home on a regular basis. It's a lot of work. When you show hospitality to people, you're giving them a picture of what God looks like. Think about the many of you who let people live with you for free. We have multiple people in our church family right now that have people living with them for free. I mean, that's beautiful. It's a glimpse of God. Last one, James 5.16 calls us to pray for one another. Friends, how often do you pray for one another? That's, a, that's part of what it looks like to love one another. Josh and I were giving Justin a hard time about this this week because that guy prays for people all the time, but most, most of the time, it's really early in the morning. And so, and he's got a habit where he will text you when he prays for you. I don't know, I'm not going to ask you all to raise your hand, but many of you, I'm sure, have received these text messages and probably woken up to them because they're, they, it happens, like he does it with his time in the Word each, each day is like at 4.30. He at least waits till 5.30 before he sends the text because that's late to him. And when you get this text from him at 5.30 in the morning, you're like, man, oh, it's so cool that he's praying for me. I'm going to try not to complain about him sending me a text at 5.30. Now, it's awesome. Like, that's one way we love one another. We pray for one another. Because what does it look like to love one another? 
It looks like loving one another just as God's loved us. It looks like the one another is a scripture. And so let me ask you, in view of this, are you living in line with who you are? So you're the dearly loved children of God. You're the beloved children of God. So what should you do? What ought you do? We should love one another. Are you living in line with who you are? Now listen, if you're not, you hear this list and you're like, man, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that. That doesn't mean that you're not a part of the family of God. Because remember, you don't become a member of the family of God based on what you do. Your identity is received, it's not achieved. So if you have simply believed that this is what God has done for you, this is who you are. I talked about how our family adopted Enoch. Last, you know, last week we talked about his adoption. And as I just, you know, to carry that illustration a little bit for, forward, and God forbid this ever happens. But if Enoch, our adopted son, at any point decided, you know what, I don't want to be part of this family. And he rebels or he abandons us or he doesn't want to have anything that he writes us off. Will that change who he is? Legally and relationally, he will always be my son. He will always be Christ's son. Even if he's not living in line with who he is. Friends, it's the same. It's even more so in the family of God. But we all know that's just not the way it's supposed to be, right? That in light of who you are, because of who God is and what he's done, then let's live in line with who we are, which means we will love one another. Now, just because that's who we are, it doesn't mean it's easy to do what we're supposed to do. College students, right? Can I get an amen? You're in college. You're supposed to go to class. Not always the easiest thing to do, going to class, right? Maybe you made it all the first week. Way to go. Or maybe you made sure you skipped syllabus day. I understand. But it's not always easy to live in line with who you are, but that's definitely what should flow. But how do you do this? Right? I mean, I look at these, I look at these lists. This week I'm studying this, and I'm like, man, I'm bad at that. I don't even think about doing that. <laughs> I haven't done that in a while. I don't love like that can get crushing looking at this list, thinking about, oh, I'm supposed to love just as Christ loved me. Like, how in the world can I ever do that? Perhaps you're even think, thinking, man, I would love to love that way. But I'm so tapped out. I mean, I don't have any love to give. I would love it if I could do that, but I just can't. I don't have it. It's not in me. And certainly, friends, it is completely true that you cannot give what you do not have. You cannot give love that you have not received in the first place. Because listen to this. First Corinthians, I mean, First John 4, 7 says that God is the source of love, that love is from him. But listen, love is not from us, not in the sense that he were the source of it. No, we're containers of it that's able to let it spill out over us, but we cannot make it. <laughs> we're not this spring where love does not just spring from us. We have, we have to receive it in order to give it. So how in the world could we ever give this kind of love to one another? 
Well, it's because this kind of love has been given to us. This is why when it comes to our identity statement, we start with we are family loved and served by God and then compelled to love and serve each other with God. We can't flip that. We can't take that first part out. We wouldn't be able to do the love and serve each other with God part. It's only when we are in tune with the fact that we've been loved and served by God. We've been loved with this kind of love that then we have as we receive that from him, as Romans 5, 5 says, the Spirit of God is pouring God's love into our hearts. As we receive that, then we can give that away. And friends, you have been loved in this way. You might not recognize it, but you have. Think about this list. When it comes to Jesus and how he's loved you, has he been kind to you? Has he treated as you sins deserve or has he been kind to you? Has he been tenderhearted? Has he been gentle with you? Has he forgiven you? That's how he's loved you. Has he repaid evil for evil? No. No, on the cross, he was doing good for you instead of repaying you evil for evil. Was he complaining about you? No, no. He, he was praying over you. Literally on the cross where he could have been grumbling. He could have been complaining. I can't believe I'm having to do this for these people. I don't even understand who I am. I mean, I could forget that, right? But no, no, what's he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Outdoing us and showing honor. Absolutely outdoing us and showing us honor. We don't, who are we? that the God of the universe would humble himself to serve us, that we could be exalted and lifted to the heavenlies with him, seated in heaven with Christ. How in the world? That we're told that even now Jesus stands before the Father as our advocate, speaking a better word over us, a better word than we deserve to have spoken over us. That's how he serves us. That's how he loves us. This is the love that you've received from him. Serving us and showing us hospitality that he, the son of God, left heaven in order for us through his death and resurrection to be brought into the family of God. Welcomed in. Is that hospitality unbelievable? Eternal hospitality. And then bearing the, our burdens on the cross. Bearing the burden of our sin. Friends, this is how you've been loved. When you live in light of how he has loved you, when you recognize and you believe, like, this is true, this is how I've been loved, then you have this kind of love to give to each other. It's why in our, again, our identity statement, we carefully pick the words compel, and when we tack on with God, it's not just a tack on. That when we say, okay, we're compelled to love and serve each other. We, what we mean is God's love motivates us when we're living in light of what he's done for us. His love moves us to do this. It's beloved, if God so loved you. He has loved me in this way now. Yes, I'm compelled to love and serve each other. And the with God is the very means by which it's possible. I can't do this apart from God. 
But only when I, as this passage would say, abide in him and his love perfected in me, is it possible to love and serve each other as God has loved and served me. With him. Not, not just for him. No, with him. We love and serve each other. Now, Jesus' love, God the Father's love, the Spirit's love for us, his love, God's love, is both our means and our motivation for loving one another. And when you are receiving his love, you can turn and give his love. And when we do, we give each other a glimpse into what our God, who is love, looks like. It's what this family does because of the influence of our Father. We're a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other with God. Friends, let me ask you as we wrap up, are you receiving his love? Do you realize that this is how he's loved you? If so, are you loving others with his love? Are you living in light of who you are? Has anyone come to your mind this morning that God's calling you to love, to serve, to pray for, to honor, to forgive? May you be compelled by his love for you to go and love them this week. This year... Our goal, one of the things that we're really going to aim to grow in is our, how we love each other, how we care, care for and pray for one another. This Saturday at our family gathering, we're going to talk more about what that looks like. But friends, it all has got to flow from God's love for us. So this morning, we're going to wrap up by taking communion. We do this each week. There's a table in the front. There's a table in the back. Um, feel free to go either place. It, we just ask that you place your faith alone in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, that you're a follower of Christ, and what you're remembering when you take communion, you actually believe happened. But as we take communion, let this be a time where we reflect on what we're here, here, and we are compelled to go and love and serve each other with God this week in light of this. Because when we take communion, we are remembering Jesus' death on our behalf, his body broken, his blood spilled the manifestation of his love, his love made obvious, his love revealed, unconditional, humble, sacrificial service. Remember, this is how you've been loved, and as a result, you are a beloved child of God. Now let's go love one another. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for loving us. We don't deserve your love, God. We just confess that again, and when we like look practically what it looks like to actually love one another, again, we just say, we don't deserve your love. We fall short of, of loving each other that way. But God, you have loved us unconditionally. You've made us who we are. We're your beloved children. God, now would, we, would you move us, compel us to live in light of who we are with you. Or we receive your love. Even as we take communion, we just are reminded of how you've loved us. And Lord, may this move us to love with this kind of love. That we at Midtown Church would grow to be more and more a family that loves and serves one another with you, God. Thank you for your love. 
Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.